This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and it's going to be a heat wave this week. I know this is not a weather forecast, but I'm so looking forward to a heat wave. Uh, Yeah, that's my (laughs) main thing that's in my head. Oh, anyways, by the time this is released, it probably will be done with the heat wave. We'll all be in rain and it'll be sad again. But just so you know, you will be able to audibly hear the sound of my body making vitamin D throughout this next week. If you just hear a little that will be the sound of my body making vitamin D and making me happy. I'm I'm so looking forward to it. Anyways, um, this week, I wanted to talk about uh, the positive plateau. Uh, sometimes our kids are uh, seemingly just chugging along fine with their faith. And it, it, is that okay? Sometimes we're just not sure how to feel about it. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, oh, someone sent in an absolutely cracking question about selfishness in children. We're going to answer that one. And we are uh, going to be uh, speaking to uh, our friend Alan Charter, who is this massively um, experienced man in terms of uh, leadership of children, but also fostering. And he's going to be talking about his fostering journey uh, in this uh, season. I think it's really important that we're uh, realizing the power of our families. And uh, so we're going to talk to him about his experience. And as usual, we will have a question to start an interesting conversation with our children. But first, uh, we are going to be talking about the positive plateau. You know the feeling that I'm talking about. You know, you're looking at your kid. They're not struggling with God. They're not like just amazing with God. They're just sort of happily chugging along. (laughs) And you're like, is this, is this okay? Uh, You know, should I push them? Should I like shake them? Should I? I don't know. Is this like they just seem fine? Uh, And is fine okay? Uh, And I just wanted to speak to this because I think sometimes we're like, oh, I want more for my kid, which is an absolutely good feeling. Uh, But we also don't want to push too much. And sometimes it it doesn't feel like it's a crisis. It doesn't feel like it's great. And we don't know what to do. Sorry, I'm tired. I'm so sorry. I'm a professional. Uh, And so how do we help our kids in this season? Uh, first of all, I just think it's really helpful to check our expectations on this. Uh, we who are passionate about helping our kids meet and know God always want more for them. We always want them to go deeper and to experience God's voice more and to love scripture more. And we have this, oh, I want it to look like this. And, and that sometimes can feed us into discontentment. Uh, And actually, um, as someone who has worked with children uh, as a children's pastor, whose job it is to sort of watch kids' uh, spiritual lives grow and help them, nurture them, sometimes kids enter this season of, of, I'm going to say, slow growth or uh, or this plateau of contentment and peace. And that's okay. This is how I picture it. Um, I picture it like um, a bucket uh, or a bathtub 
when you're filling up a bucket, there's a moment where from the outside, it looks like absolutely nothing is happening. Stuff is going in and from the outside, it's just a bucket and, and it's hard to see what's happening with it. Uh, but stuff is happening with it. It's just, you know, from the outside, it's like it's a bucket of nothing. And then at some point, all of a sudden, it overflows. And you're like, woohoo! But there's a big chunk of time where it looks like nothing from the outside before it overflows. And and in children's spiritual lives, sometimes they enter these seasons where they're just slowly marinating and slowly growing. Uh, and from the outside, it doesn't look like much. Um, but kids are being filled and they're filling themselves. They are on their own journey with God. They are thinking, they're chewing things over, they're reading the Bible behind your back when they don't see it. They're, you know, accidentally worshiping or grabbing a moment with God and chatting to him in the bathtub. And you don't know any of that. And so you're not sure of, of how they're filling their own bucket, but that's happening. God is faithful to be filling their bucket too. He's whispering to them. He's growing them. He's putting other people in their lives. He's talking to them through church and through books. Um, we are pouring into them as well through all of our parenting for faith stuff and uh, all of the, the outside things that we are um, giving them in terms of how we pray with them and how we're creating windows and framing and unwinding wrong views of God and chatting and catching with God and helping them on their journey and surfing the waves and all of that stuff, all of that is pouring into them. And from the outside, it may look like there's no growth, there's no spectacular overflow, but then every once in a while, you get a splash or every once in a while, something just begins to pour out and you're like, whoa, I didn't know all of that was in there. And that's okay. Our kids don't have to prove to us that God is at work and they are at work and our influence is at work. Sometimes they enter a season where you're like, I think, I think they're good. I think they're in a place of contentment. I think they're slow growing and that's okay. And that happens in our lives, I have to say. It happens in our kids' lives. Sometimes we're in that nice, beautiful experience like swimming in a pool where it's it's not spectacular, but it's lovely. And, um, and so I'd check our expectations of our kids. Sometimes they will go through this rapid growth where they go from zero to a hundred and we're like, oh, that's awesome. And other times they'll be in a plateau season and that's, that's okay too. Trust the bucket. What I wanted to say though, was that there's a difference between this positive plateau and stagnation. Stagnation is different. It's when no, there's no movement happening. Um, that, that there stagnation is when there's a section of water that it is just unfresh. It's been there. There's no way to drain it. There's no way to fill it. It is just shut down. And sometimes our kids experience that too, where there's nothing fresh coming in. There's nothing feeding it. There's nothing going out. The kid may potentially not be feeding themselves. Um, and, and they're just sort of disconnected from that. And that's when we can notice that, oh, this kid is shutting down. There's This kid isn't internally chewing stuff. And then we can poke questions and we can stretch their encounters of God and we can stretch their experiences of scripture and what we're talking about and intriguing questions to ask. Um, other times it can feel like they're shut off from God's awareness of God and that, it, you know, that it just doesn't feel like they're, they're feeling God pouring into them. And then 
then we may need to push into creating more windows into what that looks like in our lives or more encounter points for our kid to be around people who are encountering God in that way. Uh, and other times it could be that we notice our kids stagnating and think, actually, maybe I haven't, I haven't been creating windows and framing and that my parenting for faith stuff has stagnated a bit and I can re-kick that into gear. So when you're noticing your kids sort of entering this season of mm, apparent stillness from the outside, ask yourself, is this a positive plateau where where my kid is being refreshed, but slowly and it's growing? Or is this a stagnation that needs some sort of intervention? And as you work that out, that um, can be a really helpful next step to know whether this is a step back and admire and keep chugging away and knowing that just beautiful things are going to overflow every once in a while. Or is this a a point of intervention and stepping in? Uh, If your kid is in that stagnant part about um, disinterested or disengaged. Uh, we did a Facebook live recently on that and we're going to release it as a podcast in a couple of episodes. So that is coming. But I just wanted to let you know, it's okay. It's okay. All speeds and seasons of our children's life and faith with God is all right. And we get to walk with them through all of it. So you got this, parents. Our question for the day was very kindly sent in by a listener. We love hearing your questions. We do get to them. Some of you have been waiting for a while and we appreciate uh, your patience. Uh, But if you want to send in your emails, we'd love to hear them and respond. Uh, You just go to the parentingforfaith.org website, go to the contact us page and we'd love to hear it. Uh, Today's question is, our children are very selfish. Every time we encourage or ask them to show appreciation or kindness towards each other or other people, they refuse. Then we just feel like it's our fault for not teaching or disciplining them well. Do you have any advice for us, please? I love your honesty. That just makes me so happy inside to hear your honesty. Uh, Thank you for sending in that question. Selfishness can be really hard and very exhausting to deal with. and so there's, I'm going to try to give you a couple of next steps for, for what this may be. Uh, first of all, I just want to also encourage you that, that while it may feel, you know, you're looking at your children and thinking, what went wrong here? Sometimes uh, this sort of type of thing pops up as our children are growing and developing. They discover new, their brains grow to a point where they think, oh, I don't have to do this. And they may flip into a thing. So sometimes it is that somehow... In our parenting, we missed out on something. And sometimes it's just their brains figured out something new. And therefore, they're trying something on. They're in a weird circumstance and they thought they'd have a go. And so sometimes it is it is a developmental thing. Sometimes it's just a personality thing. Sometimes it's that our parenting has added something into this. But but it's it's in some ways, let's just not worry about that or stress yourselves out about the, the agony of was this us. At this point... This is the weird season your kids are in. So how can we help them step out of it? Um, I'm assuming that your children um, aren't coming from a background of deprivation and, or trauma. Um, because if it, if it is that, sometimes that can have, you know, huge implications uh, of, of, you know, of significant childhood trauma, of empathy and uh, and how they view possessions and all those things. Uh, And so I'm going to assume that it's not that and look at it as if it's a a character issue. Um, This 
concept of selfishness can be quite difficult because it is so broad. I feel like it's one of those words that encompass loads of root issues that could be going on. Um, You were talking about that they don't express sort of appreciation or kindness, that they resist that. And uh, and as I was trying to dig, th- those are the behaviors you want to see, appreciation and kindness. But if I could dig underneath that a little bit, I think sort of the root, um, the root values, I guess, that we're trying to embed in our children through this is, a, is the values of gratitude and generosity. That's sort of what sits under uh, the behaviors of appreciating other people and being kind to other people is that that sort of deep value of gratitude or generosity. And, uh, and we've done several pieces on that. And I'll, hopefully Anna will put some of those links in the, in the notes below. But uh, depending on the age of your children, um, here are some things that might help you on the next steps. I see them being two different sides of the same coin in terms of behavior and and heart positioning because on one hand you're like I don't really care what's going on in your heart I need your behavior to change because <laughs> I can't have you going around behaving that on the other hand there's also this key part of your heart that's going I want children who genuinely are generous and kind and reach out and and sometimes you can do both so I'm just going to throw out a couple of ideas for you to help you find sort of potentially next ways in to this topic uh, for your kids. If you have younger children, um, one thing, well, I think all of these are sort of applicable to all ages, but you know, they sort of heighten. Um, For younger children, often modeling and naming the impact can be really significant. Uh, Sometimes children just see it as behavior that you have to say thank you, you have to say please, you have to share, but actually they don't understand the impact of it. And so when you are playing with your children, when they hand you something, when they do any behavior that you possibly want to reinforce, to be able to say, oh, thank you for that and model what gratefulness looks like. It's not just saying the word, but oh, thank you. When you share your toys, it makes me feel so connected to you. Or, oh, thank you. I didn't know what to play with. And then you gave me a toy and now I don't feel lost anymore. Or, oh, thank you for sharing your toy with me. I know that's a very precious toy and I will take very good care of it. Thank you for sharing something so precious with me. That makes me feel very happy. And when you model how to be grateful, but also um, the the impact that that generosity has on you, uh, they then begin to see that my generosity impacts other people. And how to say thank you is to af- affirm and see the other person's sacrifice and what they were doing. And so you can add a lot of language around it that begins to create a sort of um, value I'm doing it with my hands, but you can't see bubble around uh, around what I'm talking about. Um, sometimes it, it, they also need to talk about building trust with each other. Sometimes if you've lived in close proximity with people who don't take care of your stuff and don't take care of your heart, sometimes that sense of trust and not trusting that someone else is going to do that, that actually brings a lot of disconnection in relationships. And so it could be that actually the relationships can be worked on in terms of taking care of each other's stuff, in terms of... Uh, saying, I'm going to trust you with this and thank you for 
for um, being trustworthy and all of that stuff that may be feeding into the reluctance to um, be generous or grateful for each other because they've been rubbing up against each other. Um, sometimes it's about equipping with kind words of what kind words they can say. So when you're saying we want to behave with kindness towards each other, sometimes they just don't have those phrases in their back pocket of, of I am happy to be with you or uh, let's play. Playing together makes me happy. They, they might not have those words. Uh, and so sometimes uh, it can be really um, important that they are being equipped in that. Um, as the kids get older, we can begin to talk about um, sort of concepts. I, I call it the heart garden. But, um, but what we're talking with our kids about is saying that actually I want in your heart, your heart to be a heart that is soft towards other people. I want in your heart to be a heart that is grateful for what you have and for what other people give you in your life. I want to you to have a heart that is soft towards others, that you see them and you want to help them. And, and that's my job is to help you figure out what's going on in your heart garden. And when you have older kids who are... Um, being callous towards each other or being selfish or self-focused and, and not being generous or gra- grateful. Um, as a parent, it may be that you begin to have this conversation with these older children saying, you know, I, I'm concerned that what I see in your heart isn't this softness towards each other, this strength of gratefulness, this strength of kindness. And there are lots of things that can clog up our heart garden. There are lots of weeds that can grow up in our hearts that sort of numb us towards each other and numb us towards um, compassion for each other and gratefulness. And those things can be TV or too much toys or too many um, screens in our life or worry or fear or feeling overwhelmed by people. And I want to help you figure that out of what's what's uh, getting in the way of that. <laughs> and, and then you can go down the carrot or stick approach <laughs> because the stick approach can be, you know, if TV is clogging up your heart and is getting in the way of you being kind to other people and grateful to other people and appreciating what you have in your life, then let's let's take that weed out of your heart garden for a while. Uh, or let's take out all of those toys that are really clogging up. You seem very so focused on the toys that you're treating people worse than you're treating your toys. And that's not okay with me. So let's let's reduce what's clogging your heart in your life. And as I see you offering to help people after, you know, without being asked, as I see you seeing somebody else in need and saying things Thank you before you're asked. As I see you being kind without being asked, as I see you being thankful, then I know that your heart can be trusted with these things back. So you can go down that sort of logic route of, I feel like this has been bad for your heart and I want to clear some space in your heart for kindness and gratefulness and all those things. You can also go down the carrot approach, which is saying, every time I see you do something without being asked, we're going to put a cotton ball in the jar and we are going to uh, fill that up to a reward because we want a house where people are constantly being kind and thankful and taking care of each other and sharing without being asked to sort of looking for where the need is and filling it and I'm going to be watching and you can then praise that you can do both alongside uh, I knew one family who did necklace beads where they had a sort of um, a necklace where if uh, at the end of the day as they debrief the day they could then praise each other the kids could say you know well we have thankfulness beads and bravery beads and everything and at the end of the day you could say i want to give johnny a, a 
kindness bead because today I was feeling really sad and he came over and played with me and that made me happy. And then you apply it and he gets a kindness bead and when his necklace gets filled up, then there's a reward. There's loads of different ways you can do it. Um, and so there's ways of adding the behavior with the value of saying that, that when we do this, we have a house that's filled with strength and courage and generosity and kindness. And that's what we're aiming for is for us all to go on that journey. And I want you to tell me if I'm not being thankful and generous and we're all going to work on it with each other because this is the kind of family we want to be at. Um, and then as you're watching television and reading books, you can keep flagging up this uh, grateful and this generousness that we keep identifying it and seeing it and seeking after it as a family. Um, I hope somewhere in that ramble, you may something may have uh, sparked in you on how we can just begin to um, add these bits. And then there's more on the website of, of ways to look at gift giving and birthdays and Christmas and entitlement. And we have loads of stuff on the website, but I hope that gives you some next steps. Families are incredibly powerful, particularly for uh, children and young people uh, who aren't able to live with their birth families at the moment and they need a, a place to uh, be loved and to be seen and to be kept safe and uh, and there are so many people who have gone on this journey of becoming foster families and uh, we wanted to make sure that we're hearing those voices because uh, whether you yourself have been uh, maybe playing with the idea of becoming a foster family or that those in your church community or those in your neighborhood community uh, are uh, foster families. It's really helpful for us to um, listen to these families and begin to grow in how we can become the community around these children. And so uh, Anna sat down with this wonderful man, Alan Charter, who has been on the fostering journey for uh, quite a while. And uh, we're going to hear his thoughts of their journey and, uh, and their insights. Hi, my name is Alan Charter and I'm married to Claire and together we have a mixture of birth children and adopted children and over a number of years now we've welcomed a mixture of different age foster children into our family and so I've been asked particularly to share a little bit with you today about that fostering experience. And just to give a bit of background, I've been involved working with children for all of my working life really from children and evangelism to those that are more vulnerable and uh, over recent years I've had the privilege of being involved from the beginning with the team at Home for Good helping to set that up with Krish and others and with a particular concern to see how do we help the church step in and address some of the most vulnerable people in our nation and alongside that we've seen how God has been joining together similar conversations and experiences in other countries around the world and so I also serve with a movement called World Without Orphans that's kind of doing what it says but in terms of our own family it's been probably one of the most profound faith-filled experiences that we've had. Um, we began a journey towards adoption many years ago and our youngest daughter Jessica came to us at one and she's going to be turning 12 in just a few weeks time so it's been a an adventure probably one of the hardest things that we've done but one of the most amazing things as well 
and not very far into that, as we were engaged with others around the needs of vulnerable children, it became very apparent that the scale of need in the UK was such that we weren't even close to meeting the needs of vulnerable kids in our own community. And so that began a conversation uh, for my wife, Claire, and I, but, but pretty soon with all of our family. Do you know, it was amazing, that conversation, I remember it well, in having experienced the adoption journey together to then step forward and consider fostering it was almost our own children that were driving that because their take was if we had the opportunity to help vulnerable children through our own family then why wouldn't we and they'd experience that to a small extent through that adoption journey so I have to say in terms of those things that you look for as parents to see how do you nurture faith in your own children. I think having stepped forward to be a foster family has probably been one of the most um, profound experiences that we've had. And occasionally our children would, would pull us up if we were talking to somebody, and Claire and I mentioned about being fostered parents. Uh, I can remember on more than one occasion uh, one of our children jumping in and saying, you're not foster parents, we're a foster family. So their ownership of it was as high as Claire and mine. And they've been involved all the way along. And actually seeing them supporting children that have come into our home as siblings has been a joy to see. Um, and in fact, it shaped something of their own journey. And my eldest daughter is has now gone on to uh, study, just starting in the last year, early childhood development studies, having had a lot of experience with little children especially that we've taken into our home. Um, one of the questions then is to explore what parenting for faith looks like when welcoming foster children into your home. Well as I've mentioned we've explored that and still do explore that in terms of what do the needs of our own birth children look like as well as um, our adopted daughter and that of of foster children. I have to say the mix of that and that kind of mosaic picture of family life has probably given us more opportunities to have deeper, wider conversations and we're certainly not perfect at it but when you're up close to an adoption journey like that it mirrors so much of our own adoption story being part of God's family that we have been embraced by him and welcomed into God's family so actually it becomes then a very natural step to offer that radical hospitality of opening up your home your family your hearts to to children that don't have a family it is painful and we need lots of support um, and sometimes it's really challenging in terms of some of the needs of the children that you embrace the trauma that they've lived through in the past and what impact that has it's probably most important to remember, particularly with fostering, that it's less about us and more about the child that we welcome. And we join them on their journey. For some children, we've literally had them for daycare um, and it's been very short-lived. We've had other children that have arrived uh, a couple of times when they came on emergency placement uh, just for a night or two and uh, you know end up staying for the whole year sometimes. So we join them on their journey and very quickly you have to understand and recognize 
that what a child has lived through and experienced will still shape who they are today and how they view the world. And so how we understand that and join and come alongside is, is really important. But it's like any work that you do with children. You spend time with them, you play with them, you listen to them, you find out what they enjoy and you 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 share in that with them and that's part of the richness of the fostering experience. So there's only a, a short time often that we have with a child and it's important to recognise that as Christians it's not our responsibility to try and impart the whole of our faith to them in whatever window we have with that particular child. It's more about how we seek to love and build them up with whatever time we can give to them and of course we know that children learn what they live and so actually the way that we show and express faith is as much in who we are and how we live as anything else and that will often have the most lasting impact particularly being part of the church part of a faith community it allows children that experience to encounter God in the context of community as well as what the way that they may encounter God in family life and that's a rich experience too and hopefully our churches are up for that and I'll share a few um, tips on how we can help churches engage more in foster care but Really, it's it's kind of Deuteronomy 6 stuff, you know, as you get up, as you walk along the road. So when we're out and about, the opportunities to share life and faith together. We don't need to sit down with a regimented curriculum. But what are those teachable moments where we can talk about who God is and how our lives seek to um, resemble Jesus in who we are and what we say and what we do? And even doing stuff together. So where we're involved practically, perhaps with looking after an elderly neighbour or just giving time to someone, coming alongside and having a coffee with them or helping out with food bank or whatever the needs might be on our doorstep. Those things become part of those opportunities to model and live faith. And so those are the, the most impactful ways, I would say. Very quickly, then some top tips that um, you and others can do to support those who may be fostering or adoptive parents around you. Uh, number one, pray for them. That is, is the most important thing. Number two, just be a friend to them. Send them an encouraging text. Maybe do something practical. Get them a voucher to do something together. You know, go to the cinema or go bowling. Number three, listen. Listen carefully. Don't expect all the information because there are certain things that will remain confidential. You won't know and it won't be appropriate to know the whole child's story. Um, but do get to know them learn their names uh, don't use their names on social media but get to know them and be a friend to them uh, ask if there's practical things that you can do there can be intense moments where life can get a little bit overwhelming so just having somebody around who can help walk the dog or cook a meal whatever it might be and be a champion in your church so speak up for those who are fostering or adoptive parents and um, raise awareness and be more sensitive across the whole church community to what their needs might be and um, making sure that your church is, is safe and welcoming um, we may need to change we may need to adapt who we are and what we do in order to express that welcome more fully 
And there's some great training that Home for Good offer for children and youth leaders. So do check that out on homeforgood.org.uk where there's a whole range of tips and advice. So do go there, find out more. But I hope this has been helpful. And a question to start an interesting conversation with your children is this. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. What is the most peaceful time you have ever had? It could be a place. It could be an experience. It could be a event. Whatever it is, what is the most peaceful time you've ever had? Have an interesting conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you. Music